This feature presentation is brought to you in living color. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. Neil Pruitt, what's up, my man? How you doing? The following podcast is not sanctioned by the New World Order. Man, it's going great, man. Thanks for having me on, Randy. Well, I've had this voice all my life, so I don't think there's any time changing it now. I'm, I'm in the almost senior citizen category here, so I'm going to have to live with this voice whether I like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Neil Pruitt at Secrets of Nitro on Twitter. Uh, you do have your own podcast called Secrets of Nitro. It is it is on iTunes. Um, real quick, how often a week do you do these shows? That's a good question, Randy, because my life, changes daily just like it did when I was with WCW and NWO. It just depends on who I get to talk to when. Like the other night, I was able to do an extensive interview with Tony Schiavone, but haven't had that on the air yet and won't air it for a little while. Spoke with Sonny Ono, had a great interview with him, talking about Bobby the Brain Heenan, since Bobby recently passed away, Mm. was a great guy to work with as well. But I got a lot of information coming up on Neil Pruitt's secrets of WCW Nitro that you're definitely going to want to hear. It's about when Sonny first went to Japan to talk to the Japanese about how they can exchange wrestlers between WCW and Japan. That's going to be a very exciting podcast coming up in the near future. But like I said, I never know what I'm going to do from one day to the next because I don't know who I'm going to have the opportunity to talk to. But it's a lot of fun. Now, now, many people from the business, uh, you know, Jim Ross, Stone Cold, uh, Jericho, Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, you mentioned Shivani, uh, Bruce Pritchard, uh, you know, they, they do have their own podcast talking about wrestling. Um, what yes. got you into the podcast realm? Because it seems nowadays that podcasting about wrestling is very popular. That's a good question. My co-host for Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro is Guy Evans. Guy Evans is writing an amazing book that, Randy, you'll definitely want to read. Okay. It's all about the other side of WCW. Like, obviously, I was caught up in the side that had the town on it, the side that had the production on it, and all that. Well, this is from the money side. Why did it happen? How did it go down? Who was in charge of pulling the strings and making it all happen from the other side, the business side of of, uh, Turner Broadcasting? as well as AOL Time Warner. And that's something that really hasn't been talked about. And I think that's kind of the same way with our podcast, the guy and I do, is we don't talk about, like, rehashing matches and things like that. Uh We talk about the how. How did we do this? How did this come about? And I think that's the difference. And I think that puts us in a different category altogether. But I do enjoy all the other ones that are out there as well. Now, there's no other information about this book coming out, right? There's not. We're kind of leaking it out a little bit at a time. Okay. Actually, it's going to air on a very special date. It's going to drop on a very special date, and that was the end of WCW Nitro on that date. So hmm. any big fans can look it up and see what that is, but it's going to be just after the first of the year, and I had privy to be able to read a few of the chapters, and wow, I was blown away by the amount of people that Guy got to talk to had I been able to talk to those people back in the day and maybe drop some ideas in their ears, man, I'd tell them how much money I'd be making by now. 
those <laughs> were the people that really were the decision makers. Definitely. Do you do you plan to have any guests on the show? Um, I mean, on your podcast from that era in WCW and Nitro, or is the show just predicated around your stories of being with Nitro and WCW? Absolutely. I plan on getting as many people as I can. I still in touch with uh, people like the Steiner Brothers and talk to Lex every now and then, Lex Luger. And I actually heard from Sting not too long ago, so he's going to be doing an interview. Like I said, Tony Schiavone and Sonny Ono have already uh, been on my podcast. However, Tony's not actually aired on the podcast yet. Mm-hmm. We're talking to another WCW producer tonight, actually, after I get done with your show. And his name's Jason Douglas. He's a producer with FedEx now. But he did a lot of great backstage work and helped me on the NWO and kind of concepting that and doing some branding of that. And, yeah, they're going to be all kind of people show up. This thing has kind of exploded. <laughs> no, I, I definitely hear that. Now, my thing is you, you just mentioned Sting, and, and, and uh, a, a great idea popped in my head where if you interview Sting while he's sitting in the rafters, that will be great. <laughs> <laughs> It would be great, but you know I'm a little bit afraid of heights, so I don't know. Ah. I probably have to strap myself in. <laughs> um, it was really cool though to be there live when Sting dropped out of the Superdome ceiling. Wow, you had to been there in New Orleans. That is a long ways down. And then I think he even snatched DDP up, mm-hmm. looking back up in the ceiling. That was an amazing feat. I think the one I that I think the one that stands out to me the most, um, I, you know, you probably you know was there, um, uncensored '97. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know the NWO was fighting. I forgot who they were fighting. I think Luger was in the ring, and I think that's the first time. Correct me if I'm wrong. That Sting came down from the rafters and started beating everybody up, and we haven't seen him, or we hadn't seen him in, in, in quite some time. For me. That's the one that stands out the most, um, uncensored 97. <laughs> Very good. Probably around that time, Randy, you probably saw a video that I did, and it was to the song, I Need a Hero. And anyway, it was uh, uh, the song was very much had Sting and the Raptors and all the different shots with the bird and all that, and a lot of junk garbage over top of the video. That, I think, we paid at least $1,500 every time we played that on TV because we had to pay the rights to the uh, original singer. I think Kim Carnes was her name, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird what we got into, that's for sure. Right. Now, you know, you're the guy behind the, the, the NWO uh, black and white vignettes. You're the voice of the NWO. The vignette started in 1996, the NWO in 96 as well. Um what were you doing in WCW at the time, and how long were you there before you started doing these NWO vignettes? New World Order. <laughs> Actually, Randy, <laughs> I, got I, I had been in the interview room, and I was working there, and it got to a point where I was starting to write some of the wrestlers' lines mm-hmm. and say, look, you know, here's kind of what your character should say. You know, these are words you might want to use. And I was fortunate enough to get kind of positive accolades out of that because some of the producers or some of the talent, on-air talent, like Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, believe it or not, they kind of wanted my opinion on how they should say things. So mm-hmm. that kind of caught wind with some of the upper management and people like Keith Mitchell, who was the, probably the greatest truck producer I've ever seen in WCW. 
anyway, um, then I started producing different packages. So my first package that I produced was um, for a one nine hundred number spot, where the phone had so much information and it kept growing and growing, and finally exploded on the table. So they kind of like that concept, and I was always kind of an ideas man. Before I got into WCW, I used to direct a nightly sports show, and I was about 25. To tell you how old I am, I actually used to work with Dominique Wilkins and people like that. That's when he was around, and oh, Ben wow, Stooley nice. from the Georgia Bulldogs, and right. Bobby Cremins, and Bobby Cremins at the time had Dennis Scott, who was a famous NBA player that mm-hmm. you probably know of, being a, a basketball nut like you are. But that's what I did. I did packages, and, and I also would fill in and do truck producing. So Keith Mitchell, who was a great truck producer, his play was just too full. So he knew uh, I directed that in sports show, and I also was able to produce it as well. So he knew my talents didn't only stay with the local kind of three-minute packages. He knew I could also do a show and handle a crew. So he actually taught me what I needed to know about producing WCW Saturday Night. And the director for that show was Dan Bynum who's a great director out of Denver, originally from Austin, Texas. You'd know that by his drawl, but he also directs Ring of Honor today. So it's kind of a little bit of history about what I did before I got to the NWO. And I was a concept kind of guy, so I really am honored to say that I branded the NWO and, and worked on the black and white and some of the looks that they had, spray painting and all that, and some of the crazy backgrounds and lights going across them, and them using the camera to talk to each other. I think that's probably the most innovative thing I came up with. I thought it would look good having seen what does it look like for you to actually be inside the interview. Because I had worked with Jody Hamilton, who was the assassin in the flame back in the day. Mm. Jody actually, with his brother, as a tag team back in the 50s, they sold out Madison Square Garden in your neighborhood. And they really knew a lot about wrestling. So... I had a great education from the very beginning, the first time I ever got in the wrestling business. And Jody just happened to say that, look, you know, you're just naturally good at this. You know how to hide the punches and what cameras to cut to. And to me, I just directed it like a fight scene. And for me being a video producer, I just thought it was amazing that you could, you know, make things up on the spot and you could actually make little mini movies right there. So that's why I love wrestling so much. It was a big challenge, but it was a whole lot of fun. Now, real quick, you mentioned two things that, that, that kind of stood out. One, you mentioned that, that famous 900 number uh, to kind of show my age. Yes. Uh, that was not 1-900-909-9900, right? That's very good. Wow, Randy, I'm, <laughs> I didn't think you're that old. You don't sound that old, man. You're lucky. Man, I'm I'm in the early 30s. I'm getting up there, but uh, I mean, how how? Fa- has got gray hair. <laughs> no, I, I'm Neil. I'm I'm getting it. I'm getting on the sides. I, I have to dye my hair a couple times, so that's not a good look for me. <laughs> that's um, awesome, dude. How how effective was that 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 number? Like with a lot of people calling in for rumors and people, you know. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good question. They made a fortune off that dude. I mean, wow. Serious skin. Uh, me and Gene Oakland, I, he probably got a house out of, out of all that money that he gained <laughs> off of that because he really did a good job, I think. Definitely. Mike today probably did a pretty good number, and I know Jim Ross did because he had a radio show here in Atlanta for a few years. And yeah, they did. I think they did really well off that because, you know, you got to remember that was back before the Internet. 
So any yeah. information they could get their hands on, that's what they wanted, you know. So the fans just loved it. And it was kind of like uh, what podcasting is now. You're getting you're getting it all for free, fans. You're lucky. Exactly. <laughs> Back in the day, you had to pay for it. One nine hundred nine zero nine ninety nine hundred. Wow. And and then and the, the second thing you mentioned, I know we're jumping the gun here, but you mentioned, you know, me being here in, in, in my neck of the woods, New York, MSG. I mean, I, I know WCW was not going to be coming to the Garden anytime soon during that era. But, just, <clears throat> but Neil, just imagine if you had the NWO white hot during that time and, and, and Nitro had a show or, or Pay-Per-View had a show at the Garden. Just imagine that. I love New York. Randy, I was fortunate enough to do a bunch of lead for WPIX, Channel 11. Okay. And our show was on there, and I believe it was the worldwide show. And I would go up there with Jim Ross, and he would have various people go with him, you know, going down to the China Club or, you know, in front of Trump Tower or to uh, the Met or to Frick or, you know, uh, on Broadway, down Times Square. Mm-hmm. I have been absolutely everywhere in New York City. Love it. Can't wait to come back. Got to do some really good videos with um, a guy who I believe is still on the air. He's pretty famous, Curtis Lewa. I don't know if he's with uh, ABC anymore, but he had a morning show, and he's the Guardian Angels guy. Is he still on the air out there? Uh, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. He was a he was a guy. I do you know who the Guardian Angels are? They were kind of a renegade group that kind of. Well, vigilantes, I guess you might say, but uh, they used to wear the red berets with the white shirts and black pants. And it sounds had, familiar. The Guardian Angel was one of our wrestlers, who was actually Ray Trailer, who was Big Boss Man. Right. Okay. I love New York, man. I can't wait to come back. Now, how, you know, you're, you're working in WCW at a time when, you know, there's, there, there's a thing called the Monday Night War going on with the World Wrestling Federation. Um at that time, was it easy going, or was everything on edge because of their battle with the WWF? Oh, dude, it was it was hundred percent full full throttle, full bore all the time. I was lucky enough to be able to like fly back and forth to the West Coast, and like I said, go up to New York City and go to uh, uh, to Chicago to do leads with Tony Schiavone and Larry Zbyszko up there quite often, and it was. I was going all the time. I remember one time we had to do a video with uh, Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan versus PDP and Carl the Mailman Malone. Classic. And for some reason, I think um, they had just completely... No, no, not not in that case. That case, I was flying out to L.A. But I had another case where Hogan was going to be on the Jay Leno show, the Tonight Show, Mm. Jay Leno hosted. And... I had just finished up a Lex Luger package about 4.30 in the morning. For some reason, our Avid system, which was the predecessor to Final Cut Pro and Adobe um, Premiere, which is an editing system that video people would recognize. Anyway, I was cutting that, and for some reason, the Avid just went down, and it didn't work. So I had to kind of recut the whole thing. So I left at 4.30 a.m. I'm coming back into work at 9.30 a.m. They go, Neil, where are you? I'm thinking like, did you see when my last that it was made? What do you mean? You know, I put in my hours every do that. They go, no, we need to physically know where you are. Uh-huh. I was like, uh, I'm halfway to work, but I'll be there in a little bit. They go, no, we don't want you to come to work. I said, well, what? What do you want me to do? They go, we need you to go to the airport. We want you to go to Los Angeles. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I met the cameraman out there, Bill Tinsley, who I work with all the time. 
great lighting person, great videographer, and we went to the Tonight Show. I knew all along, Randy, you can't just walk in the Tonight Show. You can't walk into a national TV show and expect to actually videotape backstage. Definitely not. But hey, they took a chance, and, you know, I, I took a ride to L.A. and sat out there for a few hours and came back. <laughs> wow. It was a crazy lifestyle. I loved it. Now, did did at any point did you work hands on with with Dennis Rodman, or did you not get a chance to do that? Oh man, now you're drawing the stories out. Now you, we yeah, buddy, you for Neil Pruitt's <laughs> WCW Nitro, Randy. But I'm gonna give you this one straight up, okay? Right. We're on cruise control here with the voice of the NWO. So what happened was same video we did that I talked about where Dennis Rodman was out um, in L.A. I had not met Rodman. I had, I think I got some footage that I had to edit to make it look like NWO-ish. But I hadn't met him yet. So I went over and talked to Terry, uh, uh, to Hulk Hogan, and I said, Hulk, you know, I haven't met Rodman yet, so if you could do me a favor, just introduce me, because I'm going to be telling you guys what to do to a certain degree and, you know, how to act and how this is all going to go down, because I had to come up with a plan on how to shoot things all the time, so any video shoots that we had that went down in the back that I was involved with, I kind of had to tell the cameraman where to be and the audio person and just kind of the overall concept. I had to get stories off of everybody and melt them down into a video. So we oftentimes had to have little discussions beforehand. So anyway, I look over in the corner, Rodman sitting over there. I said, Hulk, you ain't going to believe this. He said, what? I said, Rodman is wearing the same damn pajama bottoms my mom just bought me a Target for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's well, what do you hear that except for on the cruise control? Am I right? You're right about that. Well, I went over there and shook his hand. And I tell you, after I shook Dennis Rodman's hand, I really wanted to kind of take a big old bath in Perel. Uh, Perel. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? Uh, you know, the fact that... character. Yeah, the fact that Rodman, uh, you know, being a basketball guy that I am... I, I, I might get this wrong or backwards, but either, you know, he was on Nitro, I guess what he wasn't supposed to. I think they were they were uh, during during the season. And I think I think he got fined for showing up on Nitro or, or missing a practice. And the fact that they were they were in the NBA finals during that time. And I think um, he was still going to um, going to Nitro to uh, for these shows. And I guess at that time, you know, the world is changing, society is changing, and it's like, all right, I play basketball, but at the same time, I'm showing that I'm a big-time wrestling fan. So the NWO was such a big thing that you got a guy that's playing for money in the, in the NBA Finals with Michael Jordan, and he says, no, I'd rather hang out with Bischoff, Hall, and Nash, and Hogan. That is just bizarre, isn't it? That is just <laughs> crazy, yeah. I don't get it, but hey, let, let me let me ask a favor of you, Randy. Okay. I need you, since you're a basketball nut, and I know you talk a lot about it out here on Cruise Control, mm. I need you to do an investigative report on Dennis Rodman and okay. follow his career. Here's my theory. So, Dennis Rodman, I followed him when he played for the Detroit Pistons. Actually, I went to Bowling Green State University, which was right um, under that state above Ohio. Uh, excuse me. I was right under uh, Michigan there. Mm-hmm. And went to Bowling Green State University in Ohio. So I was very familiar with what went down in Detroit. Well, if you notice, Dennis really kind of acted pretty normal. You know, awesome rebounder. Amazing. You know, Definitely. kind of an unsung hero, really, as far as the championship teams he was on. 
he played his role, you know, to the nth degree, and he was awesome. But what he did was he started dating Madonna. And I don't know if you remember this. You're probably too young to remember this. But after he started dating Madonna, Madonna knows how to get famous. She knows how to get her mug on TV. So I believe that she had a powwow with Dennis Rodman and said, you want to be famous? You want to make a lot more money? You do this. And she gave him a marketing plan, and he followed it. And that's who Dennis Rodman is today, the result of all that. I mean, it, it does do make think? sense. It does make sense because, you know, we we started we started to see a different side of Rodman. You know, the changing yep. of the color, colored hair. Uh, yep. I think he was in, in a wedding dress one time. Um, a white he, wedding he, dress? He, he was very flamboyant. And um, I guess... All makeup? I guess you can't really argue argue with him because whenever he performed in a Detroit uniform or San Antonio or Chicago at that time, he balled out. Yeah. He played, you know, his, his heart out. And no matter how much he got paid or how much he got, um, how much he did not score, no matter what, he was gonna play all forty minutes like it was his last NBA game. So he, him going to Nitro yeah. and marrying Madonna is cool, but when you're on this floor, you give it, you give it your all. That's true. He's he's undeniably one of the greatest rebounds, rebounders ever in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. Uh, we're chatting with Neil Pruitt, the the voice and the guy beho- uh, behind the NWO vignettes. Um, Neil, the NWO f- uh, officially forms in July of 96 at Bash at the Beach. Uh, we do get mm-hmm. Scott Hall coming in in May, uh, Kevin Nash in June. Hogan is the, the famous quote-unquote third man in July. Now... There's, mm-hmm. there's no music for them. There's no name until Hogan says, you can call this the, the new world order of wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. When it's time for them to have music and have things like that, how does everything start? What was the plan to present the, the NWO with its proper music and proper vignettes? I think the name New World Order, New World Order actually came from Kevin Sullivan. And it's in the Bible, by the way. Okay, and it's talked about with the Illuminati and all that. The people that a lot of people think still run the world today, mm-hmm. for real. And so the name has been around forever, and a very popular name. And I remember George Bush even talking about something. The president uh, uh, talking about New World Order, but it's an, a name that really shakes things up and makes it look like there's something else going to happen compared to what's happening now. Right. And it was cutting edge, and I wasn't the one that made the logo. Some lady, and um, there was actually an artist that was down in Disney at the time with Rob Wright, who is a great graphics person and editor, who went on to work with Barry King Live on CNN and did a lot of things for CNN and still is working there today. He... They developed the NWO logo, which is a big hit, obviously. The way the music came about, you can actually probably look it up online still, unless WWE probably bought it. It's FCD 115 Track 14. That's the name of it. FCD 115 Track 14. So we used to have code numbers that we used for all of our different music that we had to play on air. And every package, every video package I had, I had to keep track of exactly how long the music played and what the names were. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar, obviously, with that name because I was one of the ones that picked it out. There's an editor friend that was working as a freelancer at Disney. We actually took over Disney 
production while we were down there. And we gave Eric about three or four choices. And that was one of the choices. And that's how the music came about. The look was kind of a ripoff that I had seen for Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell's hair product line. Okay. It was black and white. And they were very high contrast, obviously, being just black and white. And some of the bizarre looks that they had were pretty interesting. And I had this guy I worked with named Kemper Rogers, who was just a fantastic editor. I mean, just a genius. And was very good at putting together videos and making things look like they were real and kind of trashy. And so he thought it would be a good idea, too, to put all the film scratches over top of the videos. And he was the one that developed all those camera rolls. You see the click, all those click things that would happen like a, a shutter on a camera. He, he made all those. So that's kind of how it came about. And the idea was to make it look like the NW was just starting. So they really might not have the creative production people. So they're just going to hire young kids to do it. And the cameras would cut back and forth, you know, just sporadically. It looked as if it was chaotic, mm-hmm. but it, there was a plan behind all of it. And the thought that I had was to get those shots to where we could transition and go to anywhere. So whatever subject matter was brought up, we could just move to different subjects if we had to. And it's very important when you work with big egos like Holland, Nash, and Hogan. And Hogan's used to doing his old-school style interviews. We have got to talk, you know, about how to get these people to um, all be kind of evened out so nobody takes charge of the interview. So that's how we were able to do it. They, they would talk about 15 minutes straight before they actually, um, before they actually, uh, we boiled it down to, you know, five minutes or whatever it was. So that's how it kind of all came about. And I assume Hulk Hogan talked the most. <laughs> yes, at first he definitely did, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I did see, uh, I heard that um, on some documentary or DVD or something that, you know, Hall of Nash was saying that Hogan would just, you know, I think it was Kevin Nash say that Hogan would do his regular basic wrestling promos for 15, 20 yeah. minutes. And he was kind of like, I, I wouldn't say upset, but he was kind of like, eh, because, you know, you want to make it look real. You don't want to make it seem like it's just another wrestling angle. And I guess he was kind of upset about that, but I do remember that Hogan was talking the most, but he was making it as a basic, you know, down south wrestling promo where at that time you're trying to make these look like real bad guys. Yeah, trying to make it look cool. Exactly. And Hogan just didn't get it at first. He thought that it had to be the same attitude that he got over with before. But, you know, really with his style, it just didn't really work. So you can see him kind of easing into it. Um, and there's many more secrets that I could tell you about how the NWO came about and some of the, some of the different, uh, props that we use and stuff like that. But, uh, Randy, you're going to have to just keep on continuing to listen to Neil Pruitt's secrets of WCW Nitro. I got no problem with that. The guy you said who made, who made the NWO logo, uh, Neil, I got I got to keep it real with you. That NWO shirt, um, that. I think uh, the Austin 316, maybe Hulkamania might be the three most famous wrestling t-shirts on the planet. No doubt. You can sell the NWO t 
t-shirts all over the world. <laughs> all over the world. Yep. I, and I think it might have competition with, with 316, Austin 316. I don't know who uh, who outsold more, but I think majority of, of you know, pay-per-views and wrestling shows that, that you go that you go to, you're, you're, you're bound to see a freaking NWO or Austin 316 shirt in the crowd. You are, without question. Hey, Randy, it was great talking to you. I'm on my way to do my podcast. I've got calls coming in from Jason Douglas, a famous feature producer with us, and also with my man, Guy Evans, who is writing the book, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Fall of WCW Nitro, Ted Turner's WCW Nitro. So if you can catch that book, I'd, I'd pre-order it now because you want to be the first one to get that delivered to your doorstep. Definitely, man. Thanks Neil, for having me on, Randy. I appreciate it. Neil Pruitt, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, good night. Proceeding announcement has not been paid for by the New World Order. On the cruise control with Randy Cruz, I'm Neil Pruitt. Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro.